Well, good morning, New Life Midtown. Good to see you on this fine Father's Day. My friends Art and Lafana, my friend Dennis from New Life East is here. Good to see you, friend. And for all the dads in the house, man, can, can we just give all the dads a good, strong... Yes. I love it. You got the baby right there in your hands, man. It's perfect. And we get a photo op of that, bro. That's fantastic. Well, today's going to be a really great day. For those of you guys who are joining us for the first time, I want to welcome you to New Life Midtown. My name's Jay Duncan. Been here in the city for 17 years this August. My wife and I have been pastor in this church for, uh, for 11 years. And uh, prior to that, we were serving in all kinds of staff positions, but we're just delighted to have you guys here, particularly on a day like today. It's beautiful out, it's warm, what a, what a great day to go hiking, what a great day to sleep in, eat a good breakfast, but here you guys are. You're here in the house of the Lord, worshiping God together, connecting with one another, and I'm so proud of you. Thanks for being here. We have been on a series in the book of Proverbs the book of Proverbs, and we're actually on the third week of the series. Last week, a really good friend of mine by the name of Chris Jackson preached on how do I find true love. What a great message that was. What a spin. What an angle on that. I would have never thought to preach that message that way, which is the beautiful thing about having guest speakers in. They're able to show you the scriptures in a way that you wouldn't necessarily see them yourself. Today is a little bit daunting for me. Because we're going to be preaching on how do I raise my children? <laughs> how do I parent my children? And to be honest with you guys, I've been, I've been sweating and stressing about this message all week long. And part of that is because twofold, I've, I've only parented kids up to 13 years old, right? So I feel very disqualified to speak to anybody who has kids over 13 years old. But the second reason why is now there's this massive pressure, like my kids are here watching and anything that I say, they're going to be like, um, you don't necessarily do that, dad. Hey, listen, hey, listen, I, I know what to say. I know what's right, even if I don't live it all the time. No, it's, it's a huge burden to preach on parenting. There are so many different people in the room today uh, and so many different kinds of life situations and scenarios, so many different kinds of families this morning. And this can be a little bit of a tender topic for some of us. But I am going to pray that wherever you are today as it relates to parenting, I'm going to pray that the grace of the Lord and the peace of the Lord and the strength of the Lord be on you. For some of you in this room this morning, there, uh, there's a deep desire to, to have children. And for whatever reason, and honestly, there are numerous reasons, that just hasn't been your story as of, as of yet. And I want to pray for you that there would just be grace and that there would be peace and that there would be comfort upon you and over your lives. Uh, for some of you, you're not in the season of life yet where the, the topic of parenting seems relevant to you. And, and honestly, we, we could really retitle this message, not just how do I parent or how do I raise my children, we could retitle this to say, how do I responsibly influence people that I uh, interact with? Because every single one of us are interacting with people on a regular basis. You may be out of the season of life where you have kids in your home, but every single one of you are called to lead and to influence in some capacity. And whether or not it's on the job, whether or not it's 
uh, in your home or in your neighborhoods, I can tell you this, particularly in this local congregation, or whether it's at a sports club or volunteering at a coaching clinic, there are people in this city that need your presence and they need your influence. Uh, I, I can point back to moments in my life that I can say outside of my mom and dad, who are obviously the greatest influences of my life, I can also say that there were some massively significant influences of people that were not in my home, coaches and missions directors and youth pastors that are still in my life to this day. So I want every one of us to be able to hear this, regardless of what season or stage of life you're in, to say, someone needs my influence. But I also decided to cheat a little bit. So I, I decided instead of, uh, I had all these great ideas, I was going to go through all these books, I was going to interview different people, and I thought, what better person to take notes from than God the Father himself? And take a look at some of the principles that he lays out uh, on how to parent well. So let's pray and let's dive into the scriptures together. Father, we're grateful for this day because this is the day that you've made. And there are good things that you have in store for every single one of us. Lord, I just believe deep in my bones that you have a word for every single person who is here with us in person, as well as those who are joining with us online. And so, Holy Spirit of the living God, would you meet with us and minister to us? Would you comfort those who need comfort? Would you counsel those who need some direction right now? And would you bring strength to those of us who feel a little weary in this moment. I pray this today in Jesus' name, amen. All right, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Proverbs chapter 17, verse 6. Really curious proverb here that I've honestly chewed on for, for many years. Proverbs 17, verse 6 says this. It says, children's children are a crown to the aged. Another way of saying that is... And Pastor Chris said this last week, there's something about grandchildren that makes grandparents so proud. <laughs> like grandchildren unlock something deep in the, in the heart of grandparents. And I, I think, yes, thank you. All the grandparents in the house are helping me today. So children's children are a crown to the aged. And parents are the pride of their children. Now, this is fascinating for today's talk. Parents are the pride of their children. Very simply, all that means is, guys, you are hardwired in the heart of a son and a daughter. You are hardwired. It is hardwired into the heart of someone who looks up to you. They believe in you, and they want you to succeed. Look at this. Parents are the pride of their children. It's amazing. There have been numerous studies on this. And if you read any kind of book around parenting, you'll find that even parents who are not doing the greatest job on the planet, hardwired into the, into the heart of their children, they see mom and dad as the heroes of their lives. It's amazing. You can see even in, in divorced families, you can see where, where uh, dads abandon families or moms you know, are not with families. And somewhere deep in the heart of that kid, they are writing good stories about their parents. And the reason why is, is that children are actually created to have pride in their parents. So I want you to know you're actually setting, setting, setting out on a, good, on a good foot. You are set up for success. The second preliminary I want to say this morning is this. 
Parenting has got to be one of the most difficult jobs on the planet. Isn't that right? It is one of the most challenging and difficult and trying jobs on the planet. There's not really uh, a lot of great manuals around. We look around and, and, and we take a lot of cues from how we were raised but it can be daunting, it can be overwhelming, it can be so intimidating and challenging. And if we're really honest, a lot of times most of us feel like we're getting it wrong. A lot of us feel like most of the time we're not doing it the right way. And the enemy knows that and he has a field day on us. And today what I want to say to you is, guys, be kind to yourselves. Be extremely gracious with yourselves, particularly as you look back on your lives and you realize, man, I wish I would have done different things. I wish I would have parented a little bit differently. There is not one person, I I think there's just not one person that can look back and say, I did it all right. There's not one person who says, I was there every single time I needed to be there. I never got impatient. I always made the right decision. Uh, I always disciplined out of the right motives. There's not one person who can say that, right? So let's all give ourselves a lot of grace and a lot of compassion this morning. Okay, let's, let's dive right in. So Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6, a very familiar proverb that a lot of us have heard or read uh, many times says this. It says, start children off on the way they should go. Now, that's the new NIV translation. Most of us know this verse as, train up a child in the way that they should go. And even when they are old, that they will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that they should go. One of perhaps the most quoted proverbs on parenting. So let's break this down a little bit and talk about how you and I can parent our children well or how we can steward our influence well. Now I'm speaking to business leaders. I'm speaking to people that have standing in the community. I'm speaking to volunteer coaches. I'm speaking to youth leaders. I'm speaking to those that are volunteering at kids camp. Every single one of you carry a measure of influence. So there are three things I want to share with you today on how we can steward the responsibility of our influence a little bit better. Number one, be present. Be present. Right? Very simply, the word be present or the way that I'm defining this is to engage wholeheartedly. To engage wholeheartedly. I think what your child wants most from you is, is simple. It's two things. They want your time and they want your presence. Now we think, there's something I think inside of us, we think that our kids, well, they want great gifts. Now I think kids are like, hey, if you want to give me a great gift, I'll take it, right? They want, they want massive, adventurous experiences. We think they want us to put them on all the best sports teams. We think that they want us to invest into all the best coaching and training. But at the end of the day, they would trade all of that for uninterrupted, undistracted, wholehearted engagement with a mom or a dad or a pastor or a teacher or a friend or a coach. More than anything else, your child or the people you directly influence, they want and they need your presence because there is absolutely nothing that can substitute your faithful presence. Now, particularly moms and dads, there is no substitute for you on the planet in the life of your child. And that goes beyond their graduating and moving out onto their own. Like even when your children become adults, there is no substitute 
for your faithful, wholehearted engagement in the lives of your children. So very simply, this just means show up. It means occupy the physical space that your kids are in. Be there. Be in the same place. And this requires intentionality. Uh, In the house that we previously lived in, for about three years, all of us lived on the same level. And it was actually one of the prerequisites that we were looking for when we moved into this house. Uh, the, The house prior to that, we were all separated on three levels. Mom and dad were on the main level, the boys were upstairs, and Milan was in the basement, and we said, we, we've got to put an end to this. We want to be in a home where all of us can be on the same level. For Chrissy, mostly for safety reasons. For me, I just, I just wanted to be around the kids, right? She wanted to be around the kids too, don't, don't, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but when we moved into this next house, it was, it was laid out differently. So now mom and dad, it's a rancher, mom and dad are on the main level, all the kids are in the basement, and here's what I can tell you. The level of proximity that we have with each other has gone down. It's gone massively down, right? We're not bumping into them as we go to our bedroom. We're not, we're not running past their door as, 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 as we go downstairs. And so now we've got to be really intentional to go down into the basement and to connect with them on a very regular and consistent basis. So occupying the same space that the people that you love most are in means sometimes that you have to be a little bit more intentional to choose to be where they are going to be. But perhaps most important, I'm not talking about just showing up. I'm not talking about just being around. I'm talking about being fully present, right? Have you guys known guys that are there or moms that are there, but they're not really there, right? So being around is not the same as being present. And one of the greatest distractions that we have to being fully present is the media and the technology that is vying for our attention or our jobs that are vying for our attention or our friends or our hobbies or our own personal challenges. All of these things are screaming for our attention. And I can tell you this, that there's only a short window of time in the life of your child where they will actually scream for your presence. After that, they will learn to adapt. And they will learn to live life without your presence. So be fully engaged. When Milan was just about three years old and Kenya was probably just a baby, I picked up a book called Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. Phenomenal book. And it's not just for fathers of daughters. It's just for parenting, period. It's written by a gal named Meg Meeker. She's an MD, and it was a great book. I picked up a new book by her that she wrote. The title of that book is Being the Strong Father Your Children Need. And this gal, she has uh, counseled both children and parents for three decades. She knows her stuff, and she was talking about counseling some NFL players, and I thought this was so interesting. She said, many of the NFL players who revel in stories of their greatest plays or their greatest victories have told me how between plays, their eyes almost involuntarily drift to the stands to see if their dad is there. Even if they have not seen their dad for years, because that's the sort of impact that presence has. Even when you're not around, your children are wondering about you. They're imagining how you behave. They're looking for you. They're trying to emulate you and to win your approval. 
Go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. The Old Testament gives us some really practical uh, tips on how to be present. For those of you guys who are unfamiliar with what's happening in Deuteronomy, the children of Israel have been wandering around in the desert, literally, for 40 years. 40 years prior to this, they were all slaves. They had no rights. They were just told what to do. And by the power of God, God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. He goes and he confronts this unjust leader, and he leads millions of people out of captivity and out of slavery. And as part of their training regiment, and partly as part of their consequences for poor decisions, the children of Israel were hanging out in the desert, and God was literally parenting a generation of slaves to learn how to become sons and daughters. And now they're about to enter into the promised land, and Moses tells them what the Lord has to say to them, beginning in verse 1 in Deuteronomy chapter 6. These are the commands and the decrees and the laws that the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Watch this, so that you, your children, and their children, pay attention to that. God always thinks generationally. We happen to think temporarily, right? We think about our lives, and then we think about this moment. But God is always thinking beyond your life. And whether or not you have biological children or you have foster children or adopted children or spiritual children, or whether or not you just have kids in the community that you are making an impact on, God is looking beyond your life and he's looking at their lives and he's looking at the lives of their children because this is the way that God thinks. He thinks and he operates multi-generationally. Verse 3, hear Israel and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, here's the practical wisdom. Verse 6, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Put the wisdom of God on your heart. How do we do that? Verse 7, impress them on your children. Talk about them four places. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. So what's the wisdom here about the faithful presence of a parent or an influencer? The wisdom is is this. Create rhythms and create spaces where you can have undistracted presence in the life of your child. Create rhythms and create Spaces. So one of our rhythms as a family is we try to have one day a week where it works out for us, where we can shut everything down. We put the technology away unless we're watching a family movie night, and we're trying to just focus completely on our kids, right? We're not available to our emails. We're not available to our friends. We turn down a lot of great opportunities because our focus is to create a weekly rhythm. Daily rhythms, what are you doing in the morning? What, what, are, what are the morning rituals and the morning rhythms of being with your children. What does that look like? Going to bed, you know, when it's easy, it seems like when they're infants or toddlers to create these nighttime routines. We're going to cuddle, we're going to snuggle, we're going to read books, we're going to kiss, we're going to pray. And then it seems as they get older, some of that begins to go away a little bit. And my encouragement to you and to myself is strengthen the nighttime rhythms. 
Create some of those nighttime rituals, whatever they might be for you. Get creative. Read books. Find out, find out the keys to your kid's heart because there's something that happens right in that evening space where the heart of a child begins to open up. I've heard parents of teenagers say this, that no matter what time their kid wants to talk, and it's usually when the parent's winding down. It's usually, you know, after the parent is already, you know, laying in bed, they get that knock on the door about 10, 10 11, right? And I just went in one, <laughs> and I want to encourage you, moms and dads, man, no matter what time you get that knock on the door, try to say yes and try to create some of those nighttime rhythms and rituals. Hey, listen, even monthly rhythms, think about what you could do as a family on a monthly basis. Think about annual rhythms. You know, for the Duncan family, we, we try to set the entire month of July aside. Now, my kids are getting to the point of their life where they don't like this anymore. They'd rather hang out with friends than go, you know, camping in, uh, you know, the wilderness of Washington or go hang out at the beach in, in California. But here's, here's what I'm banking on. I'm banking on this, that one day, decades from now, my kids will look back and all those friends... They're like, are you preaching? Are you preaching to us? Or are you preaching to your kids? My, 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 my deepest desire. One day they're going to look back and all those friends they were so concerned about, they're going to be gone. But you know who's going to be still there? Mom and dad. And the annual rhythms that we set of undistracted time and presence in their lives. Okay, a couple of practical thoughts here. Number one, guys, create distraction-free zones. Create distraction-free zones. So the table at the Duncan house is a pretty sacred place, right? It's a place where we play. It's the place where we pray. It's the place where we eat, we laugh, we discuss. We have meaningful conversation at our table. And consequently, I don't like anything on the table except for food and our eyes, right? So puzzles and all those, you know, and, and, and iPads and phones, we do the best that we can to take those things off the table, particularly when it's time for us to eat. I heard a story, actually, I was listening to this podcast yesterday about a father. It was so beautiful. He was sharing some of his life uh, lessons that he's learned from parenting. And uh, he actually went to his kids at a particular age. Um, and he said, hey, how can I be a better parent to you? How can I be a better dad? And a couple of the oldest kids said, dad, when you bring us to bed at night, you're always on your phone. And whenever a text message or an email comes in, in that space on the side of our bed, you're always interrupted and you're always checking your phone when you're with us. And he says, okay, guys, I'm, I'm going to create our nighttime ritual. My phone is not allowed in that space. In fact, if I check my phone when I'm with you, you have the permission to take my phone away from me. And they were like, oh, man, buddy, you're, you know, we're all over it. And it was so sweet because he said, not once, not twice, not three times, not four, not five, but numerous times over the course. It was just such a deeply ingrained habit in this man's life. But his vulnerability and willingness to allow his kids to speak into and hold him accountable, he said, brought them closer together than ever. Here's, here's another thought. Try to say yes more than no. Try to say yes more than no. Within reason, Right. Now, there are times when we can't say yes. There are times, it's amazing too, particularly, there's one of my particular kids, it's Kingston. It's like, 
He just, he nails me at the time when it's literally the most inopportune time to stop and listen. And he's the most long-winded of my storytellers. So I'm like, Kingston, you know, um, sometimes there are some requests that are just, they're not feasible and they're not appropriate, right? So here's a couple of thoughts. Whenever you can say yes, guys, I would encourage you try to say yes more than you say no. Sometimes I think what we do, and, and it's, I think it's a survival mechanism. <laughs> uh, we end up saying no when we really can say yes. You ever found yourself doing that, right? Maybe you're tired. Maybe it's an inconvenience. Maybe you just flat out don't want to. And so your kids are asking for something. And before they even get the full sentence out their mouth, it's no, right? And so my encouragement to you is this. Find creative ways to say no. If it has to be a no, maybe it's a not now, maybe it's a later, right? Try to find creative ways to get to yes, if and when you can, right? If they're wanting a particular treat or a sweet, if they're wanting to go away, uh, you know, to Elitch's or they're wanting to go, you know, out hiking and you know that's going to take two or three hours and you can't, I think it's very simple to say, guys, we can't do that right now, but we can do that, fill in the blank. We can do it this weekend. We can do it tomorrow. Here's another thought. Pay attention, one, one of the purposes of faithful presence in the lives of those that mean the most to us is to learn who our children are. Pay attention. Are there changes? Are there changes in mood? Are there changes in behavior? Are there changes in interest? What are their interests? I, I asked my kids, and I'll unpack a little bit this, of this more later, but I asked them what are some of the things they appreciate about our parenting, and one of the things they said is, Dad, we appreciate the way that you and mom show interest in the things that we know you're not interested in. But yet, because we are interested in them and you are interested in us, you choose to learn about those things. So pay attention, take interest, take notes of changes. Here's another thought, ask good questions. You're gonna find throughout this entire series on the book of Proverbs, I'm probably gonna have a point called ask good questions on every topic we talk about. How do we become wise? Ask good questions. How do I become a better husband? Ask good questions. How do I find true love? Ask good questions. How do I manage my money well? Ask good questions. Find someone around you that's doing what you want to do well. Take them out to lunch or coffee, pay for it and ask good questions. Ask your kids good questions. Ask them meaningful questions. Ask them questions where the answer cannot be just yes or no, right? Ask them open-ended questions. All right, here's another thought. Become master encouragers. Become master encouragers. Become masters at affirming the good in the life of your kid. Tell them what you see. Tell them the good that they're not aware of. Tell them what you notice. Remember when Jesus was being baptized, and this is like a cornerstone verse here at New Life Midtown, Matthew chapter 3, verse 17, before Jesus ever goes into ministry, he's being baptized by, the, by, by John, he comes out of the water, the heavens open up, and Jesus' father says three really important things over Jesus' life. You guys remember what they are? This is my son, which is identity. I love him, right, which is affection and value. And then he says this, in him I'm well pleased, right? You never outgrow the need to hear your mom or your dad or someone you deeply respect say that they love you, that they're proud of you, 
that they're pleased with you. I just think that we never outgrow our need for the affirmation of our parents. We may think that we do, but I can tell you at least at 43, I've not outgrown it yet, right? So I can have people in my life say all kinds of amazing things, but I'm telling you that when my mom or my dad over Zoom or Skype or, or FaceTime or whatever, when they say, when they comment on a message, or when they say something good about my parenting, man, it fills my tank. We never outgrow our need for the affirmation of our parents. All right, let's talk about the father here for a second. How does the father demonstrate faithful presence in our lives? Think about this. Like we're getting our cues of parenting and leading and influencing from God himself. And there's a couple of verses that a lot of us know. One of them is in Psalm 23. Remember this verse in Psalm 23 where the psalmist says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though I'm going through the darkest, most lonely, most anxiety-producing season of my life, here's what he says. I've got hope that I can make it through this because I know that you're with me that you're with me. One of the best things that we can do, and I'm learning this, I'm not, I'm not great at it, but one of the best things that we can do is sometimes just be present without the need to solve the problem, without the need to ask a million questions. Like there's also like the other side of asking questions that you can ask too many. Sometimes it's just, just be present. Just let your comforting, stable presence just roll over and wash over and become an anchor to your child or to the people that are in your life, right? Scripture tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. This is God's greatest demonstration of being present to his sons and daughters. Like from the moment God created us, I want you to understand this, from the moment God created us, He has always been present, and he has always wanted to be present. And if any of us in this room feel distant from God, I'm just just here to say lovingly, it's not his fault. God has never walked away from you. God has never turned his back on you, nor will he. God is not throwing a cold shoulder at you. God's not ignoring you. God's not angry at you. God's not folding his arms at you. He's not shaking his head waiting for you to get it right. That is not who our father is. He is lovingly, patiently, steadfastly attending to your life. All right, the second thing that we can do to grow in our parenting and our influence is not just to be present, but be purposeful. Be purposeful. So in being present, we are learning how to engage wholeheartedly. But when I say be purposeful... I'm encouraging you to lead intentionally. Engage wholeheartedly, body, soul, and spirit. Give yourself to the people that mean the most to you. But living purposefully or or being purposeful means that we are living with a sense of intention. Going back to that cornerstone verse that we mentioned in Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way that they should go. All training in every field of life requires intentionality. All training. It doesn't matter if we're talking about music or sports or talking about culinary skills, right? Anything where you want to improve or you want to develop or you want to get better at something requires intentionality. 
And our parenting requires intentionality. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're doing. I know it's easy. Life comes at us fast, and life comes at us furiously, and there's a lot of things that are vying for our attention. And sometimes I find myself, when most of my life is going fast, I'm parenting on autopilot, right? I'm parenting reactively. But the encouragement to us to grow in our parenting is to think about what you're doing. Invest into your parenting. Like when's the last time you've watched a YouTube video, read a book, read an article, had a conversation about how do I become a better parent? Anything that is of importance to you and anything that you want to get better at, you're investing in, right? The second thing is reflect on your parenting, right? And reflect on your parenting not in a way that leads you to shame and guilt and condemnation, right? That is where the enemy likes to hang out, right? Reflect on your parenting in a way that's going to lead you to life and that's going to lead you to growth, And sometimes reflecting on your parenting means not only are you capturing what you could have and should have done differently, it may may mean pulling a spouse in and saying, hey, I recognize this is a weak spot in my life. Help hold me accountable. I've done that with Christy. She's done that with me. It might mean going and repenting to your kids or repenting to, you know, other people in your life that you're leading and saying, you know what, I really blew it here and I'm going to work diligently to do better at this. All right. Uh, three quick words here on how we can parent more purposefully. W-I-D. Warn, instruct, and discipline. Warn, instruct, and discipline. Look at me with me at Proverbs chapter 5, verse 7. Proverbs 5, verse 7 says, Now then, my sons, listen to me, and do not turn aside from what I say. And just for a moment... If you're a mom or you're a dad or you're a leader or a business owner, or what, if, if you're leading in some capacity, I want you to hear the voice of a parent or a grandparent or a leader. I want you to hear that, not like some arbitrary writer of a Bible book. I want you to hear the sound of a parent's voice. Listen to me and do not turn from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Now, this is a dad and he's talk he's pleading with his son to pay attention to women who are seductive in their intention and who want to pull him away into a path of unrighteousness keep to a path far from her and stay away from her don't even go near her house now listen to this lest you lose your honor to others and your dignity to one who is cruel lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. And at the end of your life, you will groan. You will groan when your flesh and body are spent. What, what is happening here? This is a dad sitting down and he is literally pleading with his son. Son, if you choose to be ignorant or if you choose to be simple-minded or if you choose to be rebellious in this arena of your life, son, I promise you, you're going to pay for it. This is going to hurt you, right? And other people are going to spend all the hard money that you worked for. And at the end of your life, you're not going to look back with fullness and fulfillment and satisfaction and joy. You're going to look back and you're going to groan. You're going to have regret and you're going to have despair. And son, I want to spare you from this. So one of the ways that we 
parent purposefully is that we, we warn our kids, right? We give them warning. And I know a lot of our kids don't like this. They don't like it. They, they, you know, they want to experience life the hard way. But I think it's still important in the right way and in the right context to set boundaries for our children and to warn them for what's ahead. I'm just letting you know, son, if you keep doing this, babe, if you keep doing this, if you keep making these decisions, if you keep staying up late at night, if you keep blowing away your money, if you keep, you know, allowing other, other guys to define who you are, this is where this is going to end up. One of the metaphors I like to use uh, when I'm just talking about listening to the wisdom of someone who's been a little bit further than you. Imagine, imagine, for those of you guys um, who can possibly think uh, along these lines, imagine you're going up northbound on powers. Really, it's southbound now uh, as well. You're going northbound on powers, and every single day from 8 to 9, hypothetically, and now maybe, you know, 1 to 2, and 2 to 3, and 4 to 5, on powers, northbound and southbound, imagine that you run into traffic that's at a standstill. Just imagine if you could. And you reach out to a friend who's following you on your way home, and you're saying, hey, listen, uh, traffic is crazy here on Powers. I really encourage you to go this way. You're not going to run into traffic. All that is, it's the same thing. You know, our, our moms and dads have, have traveled a little bit further than we have. And all we're doing is we're saying, listen, there's, there's a roadblock here. There's a traffic jam here. There's a sinkhole here. And you might want to go a different route. Otherwise, you're going to get stalled out, and it's going to waste a lot of time and energy. All right, here's the other word. The word is instruct. So we, perp- we parent purposefully by warning and by instructing. Now, this blew me away when I asked Milan and Kenya and, and the boys, but primarily Milan and Kenya said this. They said, Mom and Dad, here's what we feel like you guys have done well as parents. They said, you teach us. And that blew me away because I was not expecting that. But I do think, I think that when teaching and instruction are done well, I think when teaching and instruction are done uh, contextually, I think when it comes across where it's not like we're just, you know, talking into the wind and we're not just saying sideways sarcastic comments, I, I think when we can sit down and have meaningful conversations around instructing our kids to make wise choices in their life, I think kids want that. I think there's something inside of them that yearns to be taught and to be instructed in the ways of wisdom well. Look with me in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs 4 is amazing. There are so many moments when the author of Proverbs is saying, listen, my son, listen, my son, pay attention. But we're going to start in verse 1 of Proverbs chapter 4. Listen, my son, to a father's, and I will also say a mother's instruction. Listen, my daughter, pay attention, gain understanding. I give you sound learning, so do not forsake my teaching. For I too was a son to my father, still tender and cherished by my mother. Then he taught me And he said, take hold of my words with all your heart. Keep my commands and you will live. Moms and dads, man, I want to encourage you. Keep reading. Keep growing. Keep learning. And find ways to bring perspective and to bring instruction to your kids. Now, one of the things I learned a couple of weeks ago from a leadership training that I went to is that good leaders don't sit back and say, how many times have I told you? How many times have I told you? How many times? I mean, they're saying good leaders don't do that. Good leaders recognize that if someone's making a 
mistake numerous times that they need more teaching. And I've caught myself over, particularly over the past several weeks, realizing he's 12, they're 7, she's 13, right? There are things that I'm trying to teach them that I'm still working on, okay? And so I think the good good reminder here is, instead of us just blowing a gasket and getting frustrated, is slowing down, explaining the why, walking through the skill set, and trying to teach the same thing again and again and again. Your, Your kids need your warning. They need your instruction. But friends, listen, they also need your discipline. And we're not going to get into the different philosophies of discipline this morning. I think that's a different conversation for another time. But... The scriptures do tell us that discipline is important. Look with me, if you would, at Proverbs chapter 19, verse 18. Proverbs 19, 18 says, Discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. This one is difficult because everything inside of us, you know, the, whole, the, whole, the old adage of this is hurting me more than it hurts you, there, there really is a part of that. That is so true. Like my heart just is shredded every time I have to discipline my kids. And I'm not even talking about physical discipline. Like when, when I have to restrict them from media or have to restrict them from sweets and sugars, it breaks my heart, particularly when one, one kid in the family cannot enjoy what the other kids are enjoying. And we're having the time of our life and the other kid is just weeping, right? They're feeling the weight of the consequence of their choices. And I think this is the role that discipline serves. Discipline serves the role of helping our kids realize the reality that choices have consequences. Choices have consequences. And from the time my kids were two, I would teach them this. They couldn't understand a word that was coming out of my mouth, but I still said it. I had my elevator pitched down. I said, listen, listen, if daddy doesn't discipline you out of love, then someday someone will discipline you without love, right? It's called the prison system. It's true, we laugh, but it's true, right? So my responsibility is to teach you and to discipline you. It is to show you the full weight of the consequences of your choices. And I'm doing this in a measured way. I'm doing this uh, out, of, out of pure love to see you become the young man or the young woman that God has called you to be. But when other people discipline you, they do not have that motivation. They could care less. All they want to do is they want to control you and they want to get you in line and they want to punish you. All right, and speaking of punishment, let me, let me talk about three words very quickly. There's a difference between punishment, correction, and discipline. Punishment, correction, and discipline. Personally, I do not believe that punishment is in should be in the vocabulary or the approach of parents, right? We are not called to punish our children. By the way, God does not punish you. God is not in the punishment business. Now he will correct you and he will discipline you. And that is the role that we're to have as parents. How do we know when we're slipping into punishment? We punish our kids when it becomes more about us then it is about them. We punish our kids when we kind of, ha- we, we, we kind of like uh, decompress uh, all of our frustration onto our kids. That's punishment. We punish our kids when they do something that embarrasses us and we react out of our bare embarrassment or out of our anger. That's called punishment. 
We punish our kids when we simply want them to get in line and stop doing something without any desire to train the heart. That's called punishment. Okay? When we want them to hurt, that's called punishment. When we want them to know who's in control, that's called punishment. Correction is, is simply that. It's when they make a wrong choice or they're doing something uh, inaccurately where you come alongside and you say, let me show you a better way. Let me correct a wrong skill. Let me correct a wrong habit. And discipline, I would say, is the consistent, personal, practical approach to training them unto righteousness and wisdom. In fact, look with me in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, phenomenal verses here about a theology of discipline, beginning in verse 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. True. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, my daughter, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. So there's two thoughts here. Number one, it means that when your mom or your dad, sons and daughters, when they're taking the time to, to speak with you, to train you, to let you know these are the consequences of your actions, when they're trying to teach you a, a better path, don't make light of that, right? Don't, don't just push that off. Don't make fun of it. Don't mock that. Like, let that get deep into your soul and let it form you. But the other thing he says is here is don't lose heart. When he rebukes you. Now, when the father rebukes us or when our parents sit down, they have to strongly admonish us. What it's saying here is don't allow the enemy to come in and condemn you with shame. Right now, the next verse says, because the Lord disciplines those that he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as sons. It is part of the role of a father and mother. And particularly, it's part of God's role to discipline us. And here's why. Endure hardship as discipline, for God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Guys, listen, my, my, my role is not to become my, my kids' best friends. That's not, my, that's not my goal. That is not the goal of parenting, right? My, hopefully, at, at a particular age, hopefully we will come to a place where we can relate as friends, but I will always be their father, and Chrissy will always be their mom. And I think a lot of times what we do is we withhold consequences and we, with, we withhold accountability because we so desperately want our kids to love us and accept us. But I'm telling you, that's, that's the short game. It's the short game because if we don't bring consequences and correction and discipline, the level of respect that they have for us is going to go down. And we're going to lose our voice in their lives. All right. If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. This is what I tell my kids all the time. I say, listen, guys, I said, I don't discipline kids who are not my children. I don't discipline them. Why? Because they're not my kids. But you're my kids. And there's no one on this planet that I love more than you. And there's no one I'm more invested in than you. And consequently, I'm going to discipline you. Because how you turn out is one of the most important things in my life. All right, final, final thought here is this. How do we become better parents? Be present. Number two, be purposeful. And number three, be proactive. Be proactive. And very simply what I mean by this is, guys, be pursuers. Be pursuers. 
Your kids want you to go first. They are longing for you to initiate. And I know what it feels like. I know what it feels like to say, hey, you want to go to the grocery store? No, no thanks, Dad. Hey, do you want to go hiking with me? No thanks, Dad. Hey, do you want to throw the football with me? No thanks, Dad. I, I know what that feels like. It's real. But somehow, some way, by the grace of God, by the power of His Spirit, we've got to press through that and we've got to keep pursuing. Keep pursuing. Initiate willingly. Pursue willingly. And guys, listen, this is everything. Everything. Pursue. Pursue their heart. Pursue their thoughts. Pursue their time. Right? When, when, when they're hanging out with friends, pursue their friends. When they start dating, pursue their dating relationships. Like, get deeply involved in the things that your kids are involved in. Pursue willingly. And here's the big thing that I want you to hear. Go first. Go first. You go first. You call first. You text first. You invite first. You say I'm sorry first. You forgive first. Because that's what parents do. Scripture tells us, Jonathan, you can come on up if you would, friend. The Scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, that the only reason that we love God and the only reason we love anybody is because he went first. Right? The more mature in the relationship, guys, you've heard me say this all the time when we talk about reconciliation, the more mature always goes first. Leaders go first. Fathers go first. Go first. Put yourself out there. Risk. Take the risk. The heart of your child is worth it. Friends, stand with me to your feet this morning. I want to pray a blessing over every single one of you guys. My heart and my hope and my prayer today is that, number one, that we hear this in a way that's life-giving to us. Number two, I pray that the Holy Spirit would help to translate anything that I've said in a way that only serves you. Number three, for those of you guys who are parenting right now and you are just in the trenches, that God would give you such grace. It's, it's, it's dynamic. It's not static. What worked one week may not work another. And what works for my kids may not work for yours. That's why I, I, I attempted to give principles this morning. And finally, my word of encouragement is for those of you guys who either are not in the parenting season or you are beyond the parenting season. Or for whatever reason in your story, you do not have biological children. My prayer for you is that God would turn your eyes to the many sons and daughters that are in this church, that are in this community and that are around you that could look to you to be present to them and to be purposeful with them and to be proactive to bring the life of God to them. Can I bless you this morning? Can I just pray a prayer of grace over you before we come to the table, Father? We are so grateful that you are the perfect parent that you parent us and you shepherd us in ways that we're not even aware of. And yet, and yet, oh God, as perfect as you are, we constantly make decisions to refuse and to rebel and to reject. And this is no bearing on who you are, God, as a perfect father. This is a reflection of what's happening in our hearts. So I would pray today, number one, that our hearts would be reopened to you as God, our father that we would be reintroduced to you, that every obstacle and wall and hindrance that keeps us 
from experiencing intimacy and experiencing you pursuing us and being purposeful with us and being present to us, God, that those, those lies of the enemy and those fears in our own heart, that they would go away. And Father, I pray for every parent in the room that a supernatural grace of your spirit, that wisdom and peace would fill every parent in the room for the special task of raising children in the wisdom of God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Friends, let's come to the table this morning and receive the goodness of the Lord. Friends, the table is a reminder that the Father has been present to us, that even when we rejected him, he has engaged us wholeheartedly. Body, soul, and spirit, God has given himself over to us to be present to us. So much so that he gave his only son, Jesus, the word become flesh, to make his dwelling among us. Everything that God has done has been purposeful with his instruction, with his law, but most importantly, with the redemptive acts. He sent Jesus on purpose. It wasn't an accident and it wasn't a coincidence. The father said, I'm pursuing the heart of my kids. Friends, today, as we hold the bread in our hand, let us acknowledge, let us acknowledge today that we serve a good and perfect father. Night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. You can break that in your hand. And he says, friends, this is my body. It is sacrificially broken for you. Let us receive the body of Christ. And then he took the cup in his hand and he says, this is the cup of the redemption for the forgiveness of sins. Here's the beautiful thing. I don't know what your story has been with your parents, but I can tell you right now today, the Father has forgiven you. He is patient with you. He is not angry with you. And I want to announce to you today, friend, your sins are forgiven because of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Let us receive together the cup. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing together, Jonathan, shall we? Praise God from whom blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above 
guys, two very quick announcements. There are so many things that are happening around here this summer. It'll blow your mind, really. And the best way to find out what those are is go to our website, midtown.newlifechurch.org. There's also a place on that website where it says, uh, subscribe to Pastor Jade's email. And if you click on that and fill out your information, what will happen is, is every week you will get an email from me or from a member of our staff and letting you know of all the important things that are happening. What I want to make mention of today is that baptisms are happening in three weeks. So if you're here today and you've made a decision for Christ recently or maybe a long time ago, and you have not been baptized, I want, I want you to know in 30 seconds how important this is. Baptism is a public identification with Jesus and with God's people. Baptism is, a, is an outward demonstration that we have died with Christ and that we are living to him by the power of his spirit. And so friends, I want to appeal to you today, if you have not been baptized, it would be my greatest honor and it would be the greatest honor of this church for us to be a part of celebrating you belonging to the family of God. It'll be right here, second service, July 11th. We will have a short, short class to make sure you know exactly what you're going through and what you're doing, but you can sign up and register online, midtown.newlifechurch.org. All right, friends, let me bless you as we go forward. May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you, Midtown. We sure do love you. Have a great Father's Day, you guys.